You are listening to NFT Talk Show, where we put the T in NFT. I am your host, Tony Payne, and if you have ever wanted to know anything and everything, including all the juicy deets about NFTs, you are in the right place. So buckle up, get ready, and let's go. Welcome to another episode of the NFT Talk Show. I am Tony Payne. In today's episode, we will be talking about how to grow your crypto and how to do really, really well in NFTs. And with me today, I have a crypto growth consultant. We're going to find out what that is. What is a crypto growth consultant and how can he help us grow our crypto and just, you know, get that private jet we're trying to get. (laughs) Okay. I'm trying to get a private jet. I don't know if you're trying to get a private jet, but yes. But before I bring him into the studio and on the mic, let's talk about some NFT news. Um, yes, the ape coin has been released and it has been the talk of NFTs. There have been, a lot of controversy surrounding the ApeCoin being released. Um, Some argue it was not done properly. Some argue it was fantastic. I have been watching the floor um, on the ApeCoin go up and down. I think as of yesterday morning, it was at $6 a coin. And the last time I checked, it had topped $18 and came back down to settle around $15. So if you were able to get yourself the ape coin, which was airdropped to all board ape yacht club holders, lucky them, right? I need somebody to send me a board ape. If you're listening and you own a board ape that you don't really need, <laughs> you can send me one. I will be so grateful and I will um, be very happy. Yes. Yeah, so that is it with the news for today. I don't want to get too much into other news. I want to sit really dig deep into how to grow your crypto and how to, you know, find a success in NFTs. Um, and yes, yeah, so with me again, like I said, I have Usman, aka Mr. Cashflow. Usman, thank you so much for coming on the show to talk to my listeners about how to grow their crypto. Um, thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Um, I haven't done a podcast in about two years, so I'm pretty excited. Um, awesome. Awesome. Well, I am glad I um, got you to come on this one. (laughs) I know. I know a lot of our listeners, you know, I'm always about the, my listeners wag me, we're all going to make it. And if you're listening to the NFT talk show podcast, I want you to make it. So I will bring on people that I feel can share some knowledge um, to help you grow your wealth and still keep it in mind that, you know, not financial advice. We've always got to say that, don't we? All right. So let's, (laughs) let's start with a crypto growth consultant you know i can you explain to me what that is yes 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 so mainly what i do is i go offer my services to projects to help them grow their project by whatever metric they want to grow so it's really simple if you wanted to start a new blockchain tomorrow and you wanted to hire me to get more users on your blockchain that is something within the realm of what i do So when you say start a new blockchain, so let's say, for instance, I want to start the token, Tony token, um, you would be able to get me started on that? 
Yes. Now, it's not as simple as just, hey, I'm waking up tomorrow. I'm going to start a token. <laughs> it's more of you have to go through a, a very, uh, I don't say you have to, but it's recommended that you go through a process. And what that process usually looks like when you're starting a token, it means that you're building a network because you want people to use your token for whatever the purpose of the token is. So when you're building a network, a lot of times people run into something called the cold start problem. Okay. It's like, it's, it's kind of, it's, it's similar to the chicken and the egg problem in a community. You might have two sides of a community. Like for example, something that everybody can relate to is Facebook. Who mm -hmm. came first, the users or the advertisers, right? And so the way Facebook solved that cold start problem is they, invited users and told them, hey, you can just connect with your friends. And then once they had enough users, they brought in the advertisers. Um, hmm. That problem repeats itself in crypto very, very often because most crypto projects want to build some type of community. So they're going to run into that cold start problem. So that's the very first thing that a crypto growth consultant can help you solve. Got it. So now you're you're giving me an idea here, and this is something I don't see in NFTs yet. Um, which is building a community, right? And using that community to um, get advertisers. I don't see that in NFTs quite yet. Um, that actually would be interesting to see, you know, maybe giving people like a free mint and then gathering your community and then um, advertise. Would that, would, does that make any sense at all? Oh, that makes, that makes perfect sense. Um, Anytime you have a captive audience, mm -hmm. people will want to collaborate. But I mean, for the purposes of uh, like thinking of who an advertiser would be, I could be an advertiser right now. You brought me onto your podcast. I'm speaking directly to your audience. That's so, true. There's that. So you have a podcast that your audience listens to. You can also get advertisers for your podcast. It doesn't have to be, uh, you know, a Discord community or a Slack community. It could be an implied community. The people who listen to your show all have the shared experiences of listening to your show. And by virtue of having those shared experiences, they're a community. Did y'all hear that? Y'all are my community. They know that. I tell my listeners <laughs> that all the time. They're my special, um, my special extended championer community. <laughs> community. <laughs> um, but yeah, that that's actually quite interesting. So I know, you know, let's say for instance, I don't want to go through the trouble of um, creating my own blockchain. I would love a Tony token, by the way. But in the meantime, there are other tokens that are already out there. Um, and I just want to invest in those tokens and grow those tokens. How would I get started? When you say grow those tokens, do you mean accumulate more of those tokens or do you mean like actually grow the project itself? Grow, accumulate more. Okay. So accumulate more of those tokens. So let's use um, Bitcoin as an example. Okay. Um, let's say I start out with 50 Bitcoins and I mm -hmm. want to grow those 50 Bitcoins into a thousand Bitcoins without reinvesting. How would I go about it using the same 50 Bitcoins? Without reinvesting, I guess that would mean that you would be trading? Yes. So okay. what I'm saying is like, if I took my 50 Bitcoins, right? And I don't want to put more money in. I want to just use those same 50 Bitcoins and grow it to a thousand. Is that, a, is, I mean, I know that's possible, right? Um, how would I, or what is the best way to do that? Um, <clears throat> Just to keep this uh, 
on the simpler side, mm-hmm. there's multiple ways that you would be able to grow your Bitcoins. I don't know what you mean. I, you have to reinvest it in some way, shape or form. Like just holding the Bitcoin itself, you could always uh, go and uh, collateralize your Bitcoin and take out a loan against those 50 Bitcoins. And now that you've taken out a loan against those 50 Bitcoins, there's different things you can do. So, for example, if I had 50 Bitcoins, Mm -hmm. I'm not sure what the price of Bitcoin is at this very moment, but let's say it's at 40,000 and I have 50 Bitcoins. That's worth two million dollars. So let's say I go to some crypto protocol and I collateralize my Bitcoin. There's a number of crypto protocols out there that do this and I borrow I don't know, 50% of the value. Mm-hmm. Now I have a million dollars in Bitcoin. So something that I personally would do is I would take that million dollars and I would start a Bitcoin mine. That's just one of the things you can do. It doesn't have to be the thing that you do particularly. Okay. Starting mining- a Bitcoin mine. So, yes. okay. The, is I mean, explain um, what you mean by starting a Bitcoin mine. Yes. So uh, blockchains are networks of computers and humans, obviously, who are executing transactions on those computers. But the underlying computers that secure the network Mm -hmm. are what people use to mine Bitcoin. So mining Bitcoin very simply is just you help to verify transactions and add them to the blockchain. And then you're also storing the data. So when you every time you mine a block, you would typically mine a block in a pool and a pool is just a group of computers that are all working together. And then when they all receive that block reward, mm-hmm. the block reward is split up evenly amongst them. So just to, this is like an oversimplification, but let's say there's a hundred computers that just validated the last round of transactions on the Bitcoin blockchain. And those hundred computers receive a hundred Bitcoin reward. Well, then we'll split the 100 Bitcoin reward amongst them evenly. So each computer owner will get one Bitcoin. That's an oversimplification, right? Mm -hmm. But you're basically getting paid every time a block is mined. And so you get paid daily when you mine Bitcoin. And like there's Bitcoin mining calculators that you can use to calculate exactly how much Bitcoin you would earn based on your particular setup, because there's also cost of electricity. So it's like, okay. You buy a computer, there's a startup cost for that. You start mining and you start earning Bitcoin right away. And then you you will run the computer on electricity and then you'll probably have to cool it. So there's some AC costs. At the end of the month, you get an electric bill. And out of all the Bitcoin that you've generated, you're going to have to cash some out, pay your electric bill. And if you set everything up correctly, you're profitable. So then it becomes a passive thing where you just pay for cooling, you pay for electricity, and you passively earn more Bitcoin every day. Um, I know right now, because Bitcoin is quite popular, um, is it a competitive field? It is competitive, um, but it's it's not so competitive that you can't get in it. Like, for example, uh, if you go to the Compass Mining, I, I'm not in any way affiliated with them, but it's just an example. You can mm-hmm. go to Compass Mining and you can look up what the price of a Bitcoin miner is. They have them from about, I think, 5K to about 13K. And obviously, the more expensive the miner, the more powerful it is. And so the more Bitcoin it generates. 
Got it. Speaking of miners, um, I know to everyone listening, miners are those people that we pay all our NFT gas fees to. <laughs> <laughs> I just, you know, I always like to have things broken down um, without the assumption, oh, I know everything, but, you know, I don't know who's listening. So I always enjoy um, when it's broken down from like the basics, right? Um, so yes, speaking in terms of miners uh, and because we do NFTs and NFTs are very um, obviously closely related, related to um, the mm-hmm. Ethereum blockchain, um, would you say it's more profitable because of NFTs to mine Ethereum or is it more profitable to mine Bitcoin? Um. See, when you mine Ethereum, you need these things called GPUs, usually. Mm-hmm. So it's a little bit, because of the chip shortage right now, I've personally found that it's more difficult to get GPUs. So in terms of like, it really depends on the cost that you have to pay to get those GPUs. In some instances, it may very well be more profitable to mine Bitcoin because getting into uh, Ethereum mining is more uh Let's say it's more costly. Like mm-hmm. most of the miners on Ethereum actually work from Ethereum, uh, no, not Ethereum, excuse me, Amazon Web Service. Yeah. So I'm not sure if a lot of people know that you can rent a server on Am- one of Amazon servers and you can use those to mine Ethereum and it's still going to be profitable. In the long run, I personally believe that mining Bitcoin is going to be more profitable because the appreciation of the coin is going to be significantly higher than Ethereum. And listen, ETH maxis, don't kill me here. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say that ETH maxis are coming for you. (laughs) They might be. They might be. See, the thing is, mining to me is a long-term game. It's not something that you do. Like The the prices fluctuate on a day-to-day basis. Mm -hmm. The difficulty of mining will fluctuate on a day-to-day basis. But if you ask yourself, what do I expect the price of this coin to be in five years? Well, then you're going to have a steady kind of target. And so you're going to want to hold all your coins. And there's also the idea that once you mine the thing that generates the most crypto, you can always exchange it for the next crypto. So if I'm mining Bitcoin, I could always exchange it for Ethereum. And yeah. then when I like, let's say, let's just assume it's more profitable to mine Bitcoin, right? I can exchange it for Ethereum. And then that opens up a whole new world of possibilities of what I can do with that Ethereum. So you were asking me how to accumulate or how to increase the amount of uh, a particular coin or crypto or token that I have. Well, this is it. So on Ethereum, you can lend your Ethereum. When you say lend, lend your lend, Ethereum. Like, like let somebody borrow your Ethereum through different protocols like Compound, Aave, you name it. Wow. Okay. Um, so can you kind of dig into that a little bit further? Um, how would that work? Lending sure. So it's just, a, it's, it's, it's a loan, basically. Somebody is borrowing your money, your money, this case being the Ethereum. Mm-hmm. And when they borrow your money, they pay you on a monthly basis. They repay the loan. So you get the interest income and that interest income is going to be paid to you, let's say in this case, in the form of Ethereum. And there's many different ways this could happen, but we're just assuming they borrowed your Ethereum for, you know, to keep it really basic here. They borrowed your Ethereum and they're paying you back Ethereum plus interest every month. And so that interest income will help you accumulate more Ethereum. And since it's on the blockchain, it's based on a smart contract. So a lot of times 
when people borrow in crypto, they also have to put down a deposit. Is this done through a third party? Because I mean, like if I came to you today, Usman, and say, oh, loan me some ETH and you loan it to me, I could run away with your ETH, right? So, <laughs> so is it done through like a third party? Well, the, 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 I was kind of alluding to that earlier. There's third parties like Compound, there's third okay, parties got like it. Ave. But if, it, again, this is Ethereum we're talking about. So yes. I would never just loan you Ethereum. I would, if, let's say just I give was give it like, to me. <laughs> let's say i was a really smart engineer i'm going to code uh -huh. a smart contract and a lot of the lending platforms have their their code it's open source so you can go copy and paste their code and set this up for yourself you probably won't you're probably just going to use their application mm -hmm. but it's coded into a contract that you have to pay me back and the money has to come from a wallet and you have to put down a deposit so there is a risk like for example there's some loans where if you want to borrow 100 Ethereum from me, you have to deposit 70% of that value, maybe in a stable coin like mm -hmm. Tether or a stable coin like USDC or UST from the Luna um, ecosystem. But you have to put down some deposit of cash so you can borrow a higher amount. And from there, you'll pay me back. And then once you've paid me back in full, you get your deposit back. And but, pay plus interest, right? Plus interest, yes. You have to okay. pay me back plus interest. So I just try to keep it simple and say it's a loan, but the person borrowing the money has to put up some collateral. Got so, it. So could an NFT be collateral? Yes, it can be collateral. Um, I think that's a little risky, though, in my opinion. If you're willing to stomach that risk, you can definitely do it. NFTs have been used as collateral for loans but the price fluctuates significantly. Mm -hmm. And so what happens <clears throat> if I use an NFT as collateral for a million dollar loan because my NFT is currently worth 800,000, mm -hmm. the value of the collateral cannot drop below 70% of what I owe. Got it. So if on that same day, for some reason, your NFT that was worth 800,000 drops down to $500,000 value, the loan will get called oh. and then I take, I take your NFT. So I'm basically, it's like repossessing a car, you know, in real life. Oh, you don't so you lose, you lose the NFT and the, you, what if you decide, oh shoot, I'm going to pay you back tomorrow. Do you get your NFT back? It's too late. Oh wow. Once, okay. once something transfers to another wallet in crypto land, as we all know, because of all the scams going on. Yeah. Once you transfer your crypto or your NFT to another wallet, it is no longer yours. Yeah, yeah, of course, definitely. Okay, okay, so those those are two ways um, one can, uh, that, would is, that would be if you have a lot of ETH, you'd be able to be loaning ETH out. What if you don't have an, a lot of um, ETH or a lot of Bitcoin? What um, is a good way, a practical way, a simple way, I guess, to grow. Let's assume I have, I'm going to give you a scenario, make it so much easier. Um, yeah. Let's assume I have five ETH, right? And I want to mm -hmm. grow that five ETH. Like my private jet well, is just waiting for me to buy it. <laughs> I would be. <laughs> what do you suggest that I do again to everyone listening? It's not financial advice we're discussing here um, on things that Usman has done or knows to do that could help you out. Um, but you know, you're free to 
you know, tell Tony, hey, thanks for the tip. <laughs> <laughs> I would be beating around the bush. I would be ignoring mm-hmm. the elephant in the room if I didn't say this, but you can go and buy an NFT and wait for it to appreciate. <laughs> okay, true, true. Yeah, I think You're- it's a great way. Like I've, I've bought... I've bought and I guess invested and resold NFTs on mm. multiple occasions. And so I could maybe describe for your audience how they can go about buying their first valuable NFT. That would be great. Cause I get that question like all the time, Tony, do you know how we can get on a list to get the good ones? And I get that question. Literally that's probably the most asked question that I get is how mm. do we um how do i get on a list to get an actual valuable nft that will moon <laughs> and i'm like well, well if only i knew too no i'm kidding <laughs> so yes of course that would that would be helpful so yes i'm listening let's 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 take that approach so we're going to assume that you want to make money here not everybody yes. wants to make money some people buy nfts for the art and so I want to yes. acknowledge those people and say you your investments are also valid because yes, buy the art if you love it. Yes. Um, I agree with that 100%. If you want to buy NFTs to make money, then you need to ask yourself, are you are you a gambler or are you an investor? Right? So I just want to make the distinction between gambling and investing. Gamblers expect to win less than 10% of the time investors expect to win 80% plus of the time. So gamblers will need at least a 10x return to make money, whereas investors, they can go with a three, four, five, 10% return. Now, you know, this is crypto. There's a lot of degenerates out there, degenerate gamblers, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. I love everybody in crypto. Um, but I would caution to people to be somewhere between a gambler and an investor. Okay. And so, and when you say between a gambler and an investor, what do you mean by that? I, what I would call a speculator. So you're expecting you're expecting like a twenty to seventy percent chance of getting a return on your investment, and mm-hmm. you're probably expecting a three x return, four x return, five x return on your investment. So if you put in a hundred. Or uh, if you put in your five ETH, then maybe you'll get 10, 15, 20 ETH back. I'm expecting a thousand. No kidding. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sounds about accurate. Sounds about yeah. accurate. Yes. Yeah. So <clears throat> first thing I would do is just go to OpenSea, maybe, or Twitter, mm-hmm. any place where NFTs are marketed heavily. Obviously, OpenSea is where a lot of ETH NFTs sales happen. Yes. But you want to go and start browsing for projects. There's a few other platforms that are out there that I can't remember off the top of my head right now. Um, but basically just start browsing NFT projects. See if there's any upcoming mints. You can go on Twitter and search the word upcoming mint. You can go and search NFT launch, so on and so forth. There's a few other words that you'll notice as you go through and search. But once you've found a project, you need to know how to analyze a project and figure out if you can make money from that project. So, and if it's not going to be a rug pull, right? Exactly. And I'm ex- that's exactly the huge part that I'm going to get at here. Okay. So if I'm just going to explain to you guys from the, from the perspective of a marketer and what I do, how I would give off the signals to someone 
mm-hmm. that this project is going well. And then I'll explain it from the perspective of an investor or a regular person that wants to buy an NFT and flip it, what they need to be thinking about. So as a marketer, and this is like textbook marketing, and I'll break it down and make it very simple. I want to target some kind of market. And when I target that market, I want to figure out what transformation they want to undergo. So <clears throat> in the NFT space, the transformation is otherwise known as utility. So what utility do, do these people want, right? And once I know what utility they want, then I will figure out some price that they're willing to pay for that utility. I'll figure out what kind of product I need to create mm-hmm. to give them that, to deliver that utility. And then I'll go and market it. What that means for you, the investor, is someone out there is trying to figure out if they don't already know what you want to get out of buying an NFT. And so if they know what you want, then you have to ask yourself, can they actually deliver it at the price that they're selling it at? So if, and just to take a step back from NFTs, if someone shows up to your door and promises to sell you a Ferrari, Mm-hmm. And they tell you that it's only going to cost $20,000. Do you believe them? Um, a Ferrari for $20,000? Yes. You believe that someone can deliver <laughs> you a Ferrari for $20,000? It could be one without an engine. <laughs> I'm afraid that you might get rugged. <laughs> you might get rugged. Ferrari for $20,000. Maybe it has no engines and no doors and no tires. (laughs) I'm talking about a fully functioning Ferrari. You can go down the street. You can go to Los Angeles. You can go to Hollywood, drive it around, and people are going to be looking at you like, wow, look at that Ferrari. Yeah, there's no $20,000. There's no $20,000 Tesla. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. There isn't even a $20,000 Tesla. So I want people to watch out for this. Even Mercedes doesn't have a $20,000 car, I don't think. I don't think they have the small, the small green cars. Have you ever seen them? The miniature cars? No, I don't think so. What the a class or which one? I think BM. Oh no, that's BMW with the miniature cars. Oh yeah. 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 No, even those are not 20,000. See, and the price of cars is going up. Yeah, definitely. So, Hey, so that's, that's, that's like, that's red flag number one that I want people to watch out for. They know what utility you want based on what pop projects are popular. Mm-hmm. Now, there's some people that innovate and create new utility, and that's a separate discussion that we can get into. But if someone is promising you a ton of value and they're charging you a very low price for it, it could be true. But then you need to go and ask yourself, OK, what is it about this team that can deliver that value? Because a lot of times promises and transformations in the nft space are are shown on the roadmap they tell you this this is what you're going to get by this Mm -hmm. date but you really 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 need to ask yourself does this development team aka the coders can the devs do something right people always say that yeah can the devs deliver on these promises and if you're not sure back off do you think people actually care like i mean when i say people actually care i'm talking in terms of like people that are not really trying to stay in the prime note. I always say there are different classifications of people in NFTs, people that are trying to stay in the project and people that are just there for, you know, a quick flip. 
Um, so I'm speaking about the people that are there for just the quick um, flip to kind of just make money. Do you think they care about the roadmap or do you think it's just, you know, if this thing is hyped, I want it because I know people will buy it and then I move on. So that that goes into like the classifications that I was mentioning earlier, an investor versus a speculator versus a gambler. Mm-hmm. The gamblers usually they're like one out of 10 of these projects is going to go 10x. I don't really care. So I'm going to buy in anyway because it's hyped. And then if there's some bad news that come out after the mint, I'll sell it right after the mint when the hype is the highest and the price is the highest. Yeah. I'll just get my modest return and then I'll get out of there. Um, there's some people who look at the long-term vision, um, a, th- a rule of thumb in investing and you know growing your investments is time in the market is more important than timing the market. So time in the market is yes. more important than timing the market. Can you explain that? AKA the amount of time you hold your investment for is more important than trying to figure out when the, the, the tops and the bottoms are going. to. Oh yeah, out. for sure. For sure. I, so, I see, I see people um, that sold their board apes early crying on Twitter daily. It's like, stop. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. I see that. I like literally yesterday, um, you know, because of the ape coin news and all that, I saw even more of it. Like a lot of people were just super depressed. Oh, I had 10 apes and I sold it early. And so I, I, I totally agree with you on that. And for me, I think I always say this, if your goal is, you know, like you said, time in an, in a project or in an investment is important to you. I always do the rule of um, if I'm able to mint three, I will definitely mint three. If I'm able to mint two, I will definitely mint two. Um, but I try to mint at least two because um, one allows me to stay in the project and one can be that, you know, flip. If I choose to flip, um, if I really mm-hmm. like the project, I might not choose to flip. I might just hold on to, um, all of it. Um, if I do mint three, however, I will take, you know, at least the money that I put in, um, just to make sure like, I'm not working with, you know, I get my money back and then the rest is just, you know, luck. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I was, I was actually going to get to that. So like how, how this, but the question is how does someone know if it's even worth investing or if they should just resell all their NFTs right away? Yeah. So how, how how do they know? The, the, the development team is huge. And then the second thing is going to be the community. And like, you might Mm -hmm. ask like, how do I know if this development team can actually deliver? Well, if they're not doxxed, you don't know. You really yeah. don't. Just, I don't even mess with things that are not doxxed anymore. It's I'm, close I'm, to a gamble, but yeah. maybe they're not doxxed and they have a track record of delivering good projects. So really, it's all about track records. If someone's mm-hmm. doxxed, it's easier to see a track record. Yes. But you want a track record somewhat, something that they've done in the past that will give you confidence that they can do something of and not necessarily not necessarily related to nfts because nfts are so new right so there will be um people that you know maybe they've done things outside of nfts and this is going to be their first nft project but they still have a good track record am i correct yes and don't look at like where they worked look at what projects they've worked on because there's a lot of hype of like hey i worked at google i worked at microsoft yeah, but, I see a lot of that. 
yeah, you want to make sure that they've worked on a good project. And then the second part is the community. Mm-hmm. If there's a Discord, check out the Discord. If there's a Telegram, check out the Telegram. Or if they're just on Twitter, Twitter has Twitter communities now, which is great. Um, check out the community. See the thing what people with, are saying. The thing with Discord, sorry to cut you off. The thing with Discord, it can be a little tricky though, right? So how do you know? Because um, a lot of times there are projects that will, you know, maybe have... Um, discord communities that are grinding to get on the allow list and it's really really hard to know because after the project launches a lot of those people will go away and you know fall back so pre-mint how do you know a strong community (laughs) so a strong community has a tribal identity and a tribal identity means that they're they, they have meaningful shared experiences together. So if everybody's just grinding to get on the list, mm-hmm. that's not meaningful. But if people are having conversations and they're exchanging information and they're cracking jokes and there's more of a natural vibe in the in the Discord, mm-hmm. then you know the community is strong. If the Got only it. shared experience they have is grinding to get on a list. Like, hey, good morning 10 times. <laughs> yeah, exactly. People are saying good morning. People recognize each other. They're mentioning each other. They're Mm -hmm. actually having long, thought-out conversations. Hmm. That is a good sign. Again, just the grinding. If the only thing I share with you is the grind, when the grind is done, then so are you. But at this point, um, you know, they say that if everybody already knows about it, then you're too late. At this point, will it be easy Um, because if they already have a community that's that built out, you know, will it be easy to get on an allow list? Because then at that point, it's like you're also kind of hustling to get on the allow list at that point. Am I right? Yeah. I mean, if you want to do this full time, you got to scan every day and see what new projects are popping up. So you you need to go on Twitter and search for new crypto projects, whatever keywords you determine that you're going to use, whether it's new crypto, new NFT project, where mm-hmm. we are a new NFT project. You know, a lot of times they'll make an announcement or we are launching NFT project, like yeah. those kind of search terms in Twitter, because a lot of this stuff happens on Twitter. So that's how you catch things early. And then you go inside of these discords and you spend maybe five, 10 minutes a day inside of the discord server. When you're early, you can talk to the project founders. Mm-hmm. Even when you come a little later, feel free to contact the project founders and just ask them questions. That's a great way to know where things are. You know, a lot of people say, um, well, not a lot of people say, there's this saying that people already, people like already cooked meals, meaning a lot of people like things that are already trending. Um, And I think it's just a mindset thing. Um, A lot of people are probably going to say, Tony, how do I know? I don't want to waste my time, you know, in 10, 20 discords, if it's not going to go anywhere. Um, What would you say to somebody that tells me something like that? Well, the point of being an investor is that the earlier you are to the investment, the more money you make. So you need to figure out what's your comfort level. If Mm -hmm. there's some people that buy into projects after the mint, they wait for the project to get hyped. They wait for the mint to happen, price spikes, and then the price drops. And then they wait for the reveal. And after the reveal, you can also buy into a project at that point. You'll know if you just buy projects that are launching two, three days after launch, you'll know whether they're good projects or not. So that's the already cooked meal. But if, you know, 
you're kind of like me and you're 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 a chef mm-hmm. and you can go recognize where there's good ingredients you can go to these discords the day that they've launched and just hang around and see like what happens what grows and then if you want to take it a step further you can be the catalyst to grow a community <laughs> that's true that's what i do for a living that is true i get a lot of um you know my time is so i was telling you earlier like i feel like i don't have any time at all for myself but i do get a lot of projects that um will message me um regarding especially the podcast um bringing people and i am very very like you know careful only because Mm -hmm. i want to know that i trust you before i introduce you to my audience and i want to know that you have a proven like you said a proven track record right so i'm very careful about allowing um especially projects onto the podcast um, because I'm like, uh, you know, my listeners, um, I'm here to, you know, wag me, <laughs> you know, I'm not here to have them lose, you know, so I'm very careful, um, with that, but, you know, for someone like me, for instance, what would you advise? Like if a project comes to me and says, Oh, Tony, um, we want to come on your podcast. We're the next best thing. Um, since sliced bread and butter, um, what would you say I should look at? Mm, so Again, this is not financial advice. Of course. I want to know mm-hmm. if the this and this is going to sound a little intrusive, but if you are launching an NFT project, mm-hmm. do you already have more money than what you're going to make? Good, good one. Good one. Because you're right. Because, I, you know, it's starting to I feel like a lot of times I because there's so many projects, like literally yeah. so many projects, like every day, it's like 20, 30, 40, 50 projects a day. And I almost feel like, you know, people just see NFTs as, oh, we're going to launch a project and then quickly make money. I, I mean, I see yep. it and I'm it just I'm bullish on NFTs. And I'm, I mean, I came into NFTs for the art. Um, and I saw the possibilities of the tons and tons of things that can be done with NFTs. I'm bullish on, um, you know, again, one-on-one art. I'm bullish on projects that actually do have a purpose. I'm bullish on, you know, historical things. Like I have a um, door Darcel because of its historical value and things like that. So I was bullish on that when even before it, um, it started minting. <laughs> um, but yes, I'm always very skeptical. Like, uh, I don't know, like if <laughs> NFTs were not a thing, would, would you have figured this out? You know, and I'm, I'm very, very, um, you know, maybe because I'm looking at it from the perspective of somebody that is not just a gambler. A gambler doesn't right. care, right? A gambler right. is like, oh, I'm just going to make my money and go. Um, if I'm looking at it from the perspective of somebody that's also investing in, again, first of all, I'm an artist um, who is just, you know, supporting as well, because I want NFTs to grow. And I feel like in order for NFTs to grow, we all have to do our part, right, to um, invest in these projects and, you know, invest in the one-on-one art and kind of keep the grease, the engines, you know, but then I see a lot of you know, projects and I'm, and I'm like, why are you really doing this? And uh, you're right. You're right. But go ahead. Um, I'm, I hope I didn't make you lose your train of thought. Um, no, no, you didn't. <laughs> that just, so, that, hit, that hit a, that hit a spot for me. Cause I totally get those thoughts a lot of times. I do. 
Yeah, like like you need to have more money than what you're about to make. You don't need it, but like if you don't, then my next question is what projects have you successfully led to completion? Yes. Very so there's, important. There's the dev question, which is what projects have you physically manufactured? Mm -hmm. But then there's the leadership question is what projects have you led? Because there's a leadership aspect to this. Now, I don't believe that everyone is rugging right now, mm -hmm. but you have to be able to lead people past the launch phase. You have to be able to lead a project. Yeah. There's a lot of leadership involved. And, and what happens are startups. And what happens when you hit it? So this is another important question. What happens when you hit a roadblock? I've, I've minted projects before where they hit a roadblock and they didn't know what to do. And it was just like, oh, shoot, what do we do? And that's very important. I think, you know, I try to be um, compassionate about putting myself in their shoes. Like for an artist, it's easier if you hit a roadblock, you keep creating, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, but for a project, it's like people are actually investing in getting something back, right? But right. Art, with artists, you know, where your art is the utility, nobody's expecting a private jet with um, the Mona Lisa, right? It's just because they love to collect art and that's why we're here. And, that, and that's another topic for another day, why it is so important that we kind of retrace our steps as to why we're even in NFTs in the first place. I think it's great that we all want to make um, income from NFTs, but we also have to kind of, like you said, understand why we're here and why we're doing this and what kind of um, NFT. I, I've had an episode called what kind of NFT or are you, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and define your role in the space. Um, I think that's very, very important. And those are some good, those are some good questions that I'm going to be asking moving forward is what have you done? I'm not going to say, show me your bank account details though, <laughs> but I will say, what have you done? You know, what, why are you doing this? What is the purpose? Cause you, you know, when you think about it, if you're asking people to hand over millions of dollars to you, there has to be a bigger purpose. You know, right. if I'm selling a good, like my art and people pay for my art, my purpose is I'm selling my art. But if I'm selling a project and people are paying for a project, you have to be able to say, this is what I can do. And if you hit a snag, what next? Because I've seen so many projects, you know, because you have 10,000 and those, that's 10,000 people that can panic, you know, or let's say about 5,000 because some people buy more than one Um average 5,000 people with one project that can panic sell and drop your price to like literally zero. And I've seen a lot of projects go from, you know, a good mint price to 0. 0.00001. And it's mm. like tears, hot tears. <laughs> and then people start complaining and, you know, but at the end of the day, projects do attract gamblers and we kind of have to understand that projects do attract gamblers and it's a bigger risk in my opinion than you know maybe investing in one-on-one -on -one art which holds a lesser risk that's again my opinion um but yeah so um i'm gonna let you continue with ways that we can increase our ba crypto bags and so far we have covered mining right? It could be Bitcoin mining. Um, it could be Ethereum mining. And now we have covered using your crypto bags to buy NFTs, right? Mm -hmm. 
Um, what other ways can we increase our crypto bags? I say increase our crypto bags. I like <laughs> that. Uh, what other ways do you think we can increase our crypto bags besides NFTs? I know um, there's a friend of mine that we do trade crypto together. And what he used to do, tell me if this is a good idea or not. He thinks it's a fantastic idea. And he's always so proud of himself. But <laughs> it's also very risky. Mm. Again, NFA, not financial advice. So what he does is he'll buy low and sell high, then buy back low and then wait and sell high. It's very risky because you're assuming um, whatever it is, you know, you're at the top, you're selling at the top, you might not right. be, or you're buying at the bottom, you might not be. So is that a good way to also um, make, increase your crypto bag? So I am a trader. I yes. am not just a trader. Some people might know this name. I studied under ICT, inner, the inner circle trader. You can check him out on YouTube. Okay. So if you want to dedicate the time to learning how to trade, trading is a very profitable, very effective way to increase the amount of crypto you have. Mm -hmm. It's a little bit more nuanced than buying low and selling high. But what I'll say is this mm -hmm. crypto a lot of crypto projects are traded based off of algorithms. Those okay. algorithms you can learn about if you go read the Uniswap documents. They have a very detailed explanation of how those algorithms work. If you go study the Inner Circle Trader on YouTube, you can understand how to recognize the patterns that algorithms create. But okay. I'll, I'll say that. I don't want to make it too complex. Trading is an emotional sport. It is. So you also have to be very in tune with yourself and your emotions. But it is a very great way if you master it, but you have to take the time to master it first. It's a great way for you to make more, earn more crypto. So if I want to master it, what's a good way to start? Um, let's say the barest minimum I will need besides keeping my emotions in check. Um, what's the barest minimum that I will need to start to begin to master trading crypto? You just need you just need a pen and paper and get in front of a chart on tradingview.com. It's free if you mm -hmm. have a Google account and just go look up BTC USD and every day just write down what the high of the day is, what mm -hmm. the low of the day is, what the opening price, the opening price, say let's use um six PM Eastern time. Got it. Okay. And then yep, the high, the low. And how long do you think is, should I, would I do that for just kind of study? I know, you know, it takes a while <laughs> from experience. I know it takes a while to kind of understand and get a, you know, vibe of the patterns. Um, how long do you think is good for someone starting out to kind of sit back and study those patterns before they jump in? I timed how long it took me and I asked a few other people how long it took them. Mm -hmm. I would say about a thousand hours of work. Got it. A thousand so, hours. However, that breaks down. If you're doing, you know, 80 hour weeks, then you could very quickly learn within six months. Right. But if you're doing like two hours a week, then it could take you years. So it really just depends on the amount of time. And you have to be actively in a trade to learn. You, you can't learn trading without trading. You can learn the basics and learn how to recognize things before you can even learn how to trade. Mm -hmm. So there's prerequisites before you can even learn how to trade, you need to learn 
like the definitions and the nomenclature and all the, you know, how to name things and how things work and how crypto pairs work and how uh, liquidity pools work and all that stuff. Once you've learned that, you can start trading and that's where you actually learn how to trade. But you can't even learn how to trade before you learn the basics. I want to make that clear. And what would be the big, can you give us like maybe the top three basics that they should learn before they can even attempt to start? I could even tell you right now, price only does two things. It either goes up or it goes down. Down, yes. Basic point number one. Mm -hmm. Basic point number two, uh, when you trade, you're trading one pair versus the next. So it could be Bitcoin versus Ethereum. It could be Bitcoin versus Zcash. It could be Ethereum versus Zcash. Cool. So you need to learn how those pairings work. And you need to learn what going long means. You need to learn what going short means, aka you buy and you sell. But how do you make money? when you're buying and then how do you make money when you're selling? Mm -hmm. Um, Super basics. That's like the basics, the bare bone basics. Um, I think learning Forex is a great way to understand trading because there's a, there's a um, website called Pips University or it might be Pips Academy. I forget what it is. Mm -hmm. Baby Pips. It's called Baby Pips. Excuse me. So if you go to Baby Pips and you just read their uh information on baby pips that'll give you basics everything that they teach about indicators i don't really believe in indicators personally you can be profitable using indicators but they'll teach you what indicators are they'll teach you what pips are they'll teach you what uh uh, i don't know what times of day the different trading sessions are Mm -hmm. those are like the basics that you can learn from baby pips and then once you've read the stuff on baby pips, you can make your way over to YouTube and start watching the inner circle trader videos. And if you put in the thousand hours, you'll be good enough to start trading. Got it. Okay. Oh, is baby pips, is it free? <laughs> it's free. Baby pips is free. The inner okay. circle trader YouTube is free. I'm not pointing, pointing you to any okay. paid resources. All right. Awesome. Also, the only thing, the only thing my listeners pay for is my art. Sorry, no. <laughs> That's good. They don't, they don't you know. pay for, they don't pay for anything else. No, I'm kidding. Um, yeah, that sounds awesome. That's a whole lot of um good information. Now, here's another um question that I have for you because I know this is one argument that you know again with the maxis. Um, if I was a newbie to crypto and I wanted to invest in crypto, would you recommend investing in a stable coin or would you recommend investing in an altcoin or one of these like kind of, you know, random t- um, tokens that just come out of, out of nowhere, kind of like an ape coin? Um, would you recommend which one of those would you recommend and what coins are your faves? Oh, my favorite coins. OK. Yes. Um, <laughs> If you invest in a stable coin, it's called stable for a reason. The price will not go up or down. But if you invest in a stable coin, you can always use it to lend money to other people. You mm-hmm. can do different things with a stable coin. So stable coins are not bad investments, but like they are Bit- stable. Bitcoin is a stable coin. No, Bitcoin is not a stable coin. Okay. So Tether what would Tether is a stable would be? Coin. Got it's it. Okay. To the okay. value of the dollar. That's why they call it a stable coin. So what would why do people call Bitcoin a stable? I've heard that so many times. Like, oh, um, Bitcoin is a stable coin and ETH is an out. I'm like, what are you? Okay, I'm listening. I'm learning yeah. too, by the way. <laughs> it's cool. 
people call Bitcoin a stable coin because they want to they're basically alluding to the fact that in the future, everything is going to be priced in Bitcoin. Got it. Right now, everything is priced in dollars. Yes. Dollar, the dollar is the world reserve currency. So stable coins follow the dollar's value. In the future, it might be the case that stable coins follow the value of Bitcoin if Bitcoin becomes the world reserve currency, but it's not right now. So what stable coins are there? U.S. Tether is one. And there's there's a lot. I'm not going to name them all. I'm just going to name yeah. the top three here. Okay. U.S. Tether, mm -hmm. which was you know launched from Bitfinex. There's a lot of controversy behind it. I'm not going to get into the controversy. That's fine. <laughs> There's USDC. Yes, I see that a lot as well, um, especially with um, um, NFTs. I know. I think OpenSea does accept USDC. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, go ahead. Yep, USDC is a second stable coin. It's launched by Circle. Mm -hmm. um and then there's ust which is the us dollar stable coin from the terra ecosystem okay terra luna ecosystem excuse me um so those are like the top three stable coins <coughs> and basically they, the idea sorry mm -hmm. are they more valuable than bitcoin in terms of like so one stable coin is worth one dollar so no they're not more valuable than bitcoin the okay. entire idea behind stable coins is they follow the dollar which they is they follow the dollar but there's an equal exchange when you go put one when you go buy one dollar of tether supposedly there is one dollar of assets backing it supposedly okay. right mm -hmm. supposedly same thing with USDC. When you go buy $1 of USDC, there's $1 of assets backing it, supposedly. Got it. <clears throat> we don't actually know for sure and for certain, but this is what the, the different stablecoin protocols are telling us. So the reason why people would invest in stablecoins is because stablecoins are used for liquidity pools. That's a little bit more complex What are topic. What I know what they are, but for those who don't know, can you explain to them what liquidity pools are? Sure. So on an exchange, mm -hmm. if you want to exchange one coin for the next, someone has to like, I can't exchange my Ethereum for Bitcoin unless someone is willing to take the Bitcoin. I mean, the like, yeah, someone has to be willing to accept my Bitcoin and give me their Ethereum. Yes. So what has happened in the crypto world is that these things called liquidity pools show up. A liquidity pool is just there's a thousand Bitcoin somewhere and there's a thousand Ethereums. And if somebody wants to come in and exchange one Ethereum for one Bitcoin, well, then they'll pull they'll put one Ethereum in the liquidity pool and they'll take out one Bitcoin. So now where there used to be a thousand Bitcoins and a thousand Ethereums, there's now a thousand and one Ethereums and nine hundred and ninety nine Bitcoins. And so what that does is the price is geometrically calculated. So mm -hmm. that now where one Ethereum used to be worth one Bitcoin, it's now a dollar and one Ethereum for every 99 cents of Bitcoin. And because that price imbalance exists, traders are going to come in and take advantage of that. Yeah. And they're going to say, okay, let me provide more Bitcoin in this situation because let me provide Bitcoin here because I can get more Ethereum out because it's worth a dollar and one cents now. And so they'll make money and they'll rebalance the pool. 
So they'll put in a Bitcoin. They'll put in two Bitcoins, really, and then mm-hmm. they'll take out some Ethereum and sell it. So that's kind of like a, a very rough explanation of what happens with liquidity pools. But I hope that was clear enough. It was clear. So I'll kind of um, add to it. It's kind of like um, buying and selling. Like, let me put it in um, for dummies terms. <laughs> it's like having this big old bag and you put, um, let's use dollar. I always use dollar and yen for whatever reason. And you put dollar in it. Somebody puts yen in it. Um, if I need a dollar, then I can take my yen and trade it for a dollar. But if there's no yen, um, wait, hold on, let me start all over. <laughs> uh, there's this big box and I can put a dollar in it. And then somebody that has yen that needs dollar can put yen in it and take out the dollar, right? Um, but if, if there's no dollar in it, there's nothing to um, trade. Am I correct? Exactly. Okay, got it. All right. Um, I hope that was easy. <laughs> yeah. My, my analogies always suck, by the way. It's like, Tony, yeah. what is wrong with you? What are you saying? <laughs> They're good. They're good. They're good. They're good. Um, so, yeah, we were talking about stable coins here because we we're talking about investing in, in mm-hmm. stable coins. Um, I think you had asked me another question prior to that, and I kind of no, you did answer the question that I asked. I wanted to, so before we continue, because I, I want us, I want us to talk, I know we're almost approaching the end of the show and I want us to talk about staking, but before we do that, I wanted to circle back to um, mining Bitcoin and mining Ethereum. Um, what we did not cover are exactly what you would need to start. And I wanted to be very clear to anyone listening that might be thinking, okay, they might want to mine um, what they would need to get started. So if they wanted to get started mining Bitcoin, what do you, what will they need to get started? And also for to- Ethereum. Okay. If you're going to mine Bitcoin, you need a computer called an ASIC miner. Okay. An ASIC miner is typically going to be purchased from some third-party company. Those third-party companies usually sell out, so you're going to have to buy it from a reseller more than likely. Um, mm-hmm. And if you buy it from a reseller, great. So you buy the computer, they ship it to your house. Now you need an outlet that can handle the amount of electric output that needs to be fed into a Bitcoin mining computer. So usually what that means is 15 amps and they use about 3,500 watts per hour. That's a lot. So you, yeah, you have to have an electrical setup that can withstand that kind of pull. Um, it is a lot to the point where if I wanted to mine with 100 Bitcoin miners, I would need about five acres of land filled with solar panels. Wow. Yes. So I, I was doing a calculation because I'm actually looking for investors shortly. Not This is not an open call right now. Um, but yes, I'm just looking for investors to set up a Bitcoin mine myself. And so that's that's essentially what you would need. And then <clears throat> you need mm-hmm. to calculate how many BTUs of heat is produced by the computer that's consuming all this electricity. There's, there's going to be some heat output. And you need to be able to install an HVAC unit that can absorb that heat and cool it down, depending on where you are. If it's the wintertime in the northern hemisphere, and you're like in one of the northern states or in Canada, you can just open a window and it'll cool your whole uh, setup. I've done it before on multiple occasions in the past. <clears throat> so that's what you would need. So just to recap, you need the computer, you need the electrical setup, you need a cooling system, and you need to join a pool. 
of miners. If you don't have enough computers to run your own node, then you need to join a pool of miners. So basically you're contributing to somebody else's node. Um, yeah, we, we've, we've talked about nodes um, in one of our episodes before, um, you know, how to make passive income um, with nodes. Um, we've discussed that before as well. Yep. Um, yep. Oh, yep. It sounds so, like, almost sounds like it's just easier to trade NFTs. <laughs> <laughs> it is, but like if you can set up the mining setup, it's very passive. Like it's super passive. Okay. You just have to monitor the heat output. So just to touch on the Ethereum thing yes with ethereum you need gpu miners so you can buy a gpu miner from somebody that that makes it mm-hmm. or you can buy the gpus and put together a computer yourself you know there's like putting together computers at home is like a huge industry it's been going on for decades now so um there's a lot of tutorials online where you can look up how to make your own uh, ethereum miner but the gpus are very difficult to find and then it's a different electrical um, requirement than Bitcoin. So you make sure you have to calculate that. And then there's a different cooling requirement. It's a lot less usually, especially GPU mining is a lot less uh, intensive on the electric side and the cooling side than Bitcoin mining. Yeah. And that's essentially it. You still need a setup. You need somewhere to put put your computers at the end of the day. there's cooling boxes that I've seen now that have come out for both Bitcoin and Ethereum mining, where you just take your computer and you put it in the box, you shut it, and you. How much do those cost? They usually cost about fifteen hundred to three thousand dollars per. Yeah, it's a rich boy's game. <laughs> it is <laughs> a rich person's game, I should say. It, it is. Uh, we're gonna stick to. We're gonna stick to our NFTs. We're gonna stick to our NFTs. <laughs> Sounds like a, a huge initial. Um, if you, if I wanted to say, okay, this is going to be my initial investment. What do you think I'll be looking at? For, um, Bitcoin mining and Ethereum mining or separately, actually. Bitcoin mining, you could do a setup for about, depending on how much the miner itself costs you, which is the biggest cost. You could do a setup for anywhere between 10 to 15 K for just one miner. Obviously, there's economies of scale. If you buy more miners, then the cost of the actual physical location and setup decreases mm-hmm. per unit. Um, Ethereum mining, I've seen it for around five to seven k. Okay, but th- again, depending on how well you can source your inputs, yeah, you get significantly lower costs. And it's passive income. You literally will make money in your sleep. So it might be. I mean, I, I would, you know, think of it like if you find that one NFT that you're able to flip and make good money on, then invest it in a mining um, rig or mining setup it might yeah. be a good idea. So um, go ahead. I think this is also a good transition into staking. So miners mine, they validate those transactions. Staking is something relatively similar where mm-hmm. you now put your money up to say that the inf- that the transaction you just verified is valid and you're putting your money behind that. Got it. Yeah. So, so I know um, I'm, I don't know how, what your feelings are about Solana. Um, I should ask, what are your feelings about Solana? <laughs> I'm not a fan. I'm Why? Fan no, we're going to fight. We're going to fight. <laughs> I'm not a fan of Solana. I just think it was overhyped at the beginning and people were just no. jumping into it like crazy. I've seen, 
Unfortunately, I've seen more rugs on Solana than I have on Ethereum. Oh, yes. And when it comes to NFTs, um, because the gas is low, right? So to yeah. create a Solana NFT um, is cheaper. But, you know, Solana is actually where you do actually have to really, 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 really do your research. Like, don't jump into um, projects. Don't jump into anything. But the good thing about Solana that I have noticed is there are some projects that once it mints out the... Um, well, maybe not a good thing. The mint price drops by half the first, you know, maybe the first week because their their reveal is usually almost right away, right? So the mint price drops like by half, and then it could mm-hmm. climb back up. So it's always, you know, easier to get in a project with Solana than with Ethereum if the project um is good, and you know, with Ethereum projects, project can go from like zero point one mint price to like point six in you know before reveal. So that could be a little um, dicey, but don't say you don't like Solana. We're going to fight. I mean, uh, <laughs> Solana is a newer ecosystem. So, you know, yes. when something technology is newer, there's a lot more bugs. That's all it is. It's not like yeah. I hate Solana mm-hmm. or anything like that. But, so, yeah. yeah. So I see, um, you know, I see with my Solana um, coins, the option for staking. Is it a good idea to stake your um, crypto coins? So I want everybody to know that when you stake your crypto coins, it's very similar to lending in a sense. Mm -hmm. But when you stake, you have a chance of losing your coins. So you need to know what the probability is that you lose your coins. And how would you lose your coins? Well, if the crypto that you stake goes towards validating a transaction and it comes back invalid, this is just, again, keeping it basic, Mm -hmm. then your crypto could be absorbed by the blockchain. I wanted to um, give you an example of staking, like on Solana, for instance, it will tell you stake your coins, earn 6.6% APY when staking um, SOL or earn 40% when staking SLRS. Um, Which one of those two could be the risky one? I'm not familiar with staking on Solana, to be quite honest with you. Okay. The risk really, the number one risk of staking is that the value of your coins goes down all of a sudden. Okay. So, but even if you don't stake, the value of your coin can go down, right? Yes. But if you stake and it's locked, then you can't, you can't like exit your position. Oh, got it. Got it. So if you don't plan to exit your position, like if it's, Ethereum, for instance, and I know Ethereum is going to keep going up. It might go down, but it's going to keep going up. Um, and I decide to stake it. It's not a huge risk, is it? No, it's not the biggest risk. No. Okay. Okay. So staking good or staking bad? Staking is good. Relatively, like long-term staking is a great way to earn more crypto. Great way, in my opinion. Okay, so just probably just stake what you don't mind losing, just in case. Stake what you plan on holding long term, and yeah, stake what you don't mind losing. Like, because sometimes it depends on what you're staking. Like, if you're staking Ethereum, you're relatively safe. If you're staking Solana, you're relatively safe. If you're staking yes. some token linked to an NFT project. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> That is true. Okay, good. Okay, so um, let's say I have like 1,000 soul. I can stake like 500. I know it's not financial advice. Right. And um, 
I would earn, let's use ETH since you're more familiar with ETH. Can ETH be staked? Yes, yes, yes. ETH can, I, I mean, I understand staking on Solana too. I don't want to say that I'm not. Like, I just didn't know what the SL, um, SLRS, it's called SLRS, SLRS tongue twister. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just different. Like Solana will offer, um, different types of staking, um, which is, um, the, um, staking soul for, um, staking soul for M stole. Uh, mm-hmm. which can be converted to soul and then um which is the liquid soul staking and that's the one with the 6.67% right now and then mm-hmm. there's the native soul staking which is also 6.67 um percent right now and then there's the um it's the soul rise finance staking so that's um the SLRS staking um and that's in soul rise finance so if you stake your Solana um in Soul Rise fi- Finance, sorry, um you can earn up to forty percent APY. I would liken it to Luxrare, uh, so, although Luxrare is like a marketplace, right? But if you, yeah, um, well, actually, let me not liken it to Luxrare because um Luxrare doesn't use. Oh yeah, it does. Luxrare uses Lux token, but this one doesn't use their token. They're using Solana, and you're not really staking ETH on looks rare you're staking looks so that's not a good comparison but you wanna, ca- you get the idea yeah i want to take a moment and, and mention that <clears throat> a lot of this staking on crypto right now is a way to attract users to crypto yes where it's more profitable now than it will be in the future in the future absolutely i totally agree with you on that one um, because what is the percentage of people using crypto? Not a you know compared to people that have bank accounts, it's not a lot. It's, it's um, not a lot. It's like less than fifteen percent, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. And that's it's even worse with NFTs. Less than we're still. I mean, they say we're early, but we're really, really, really early. And um, I know there's still so much to talk about. We've gone over our time. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, we're gonna be here for a little bit, but it's been. <laughs> Um, such an interesting conversation. And I know there's still so much more to learn about how to increase your crypto bags. <laughs> so I'm going to have to just ask that, you know, you please find the time to come back on the show so we can um, continue this conversation um, and talk more about, you know, the marketplaces. I know they also offer like options where you can use um, their marketplace to make money or passive income in crypto and all the other crypto coins that are out there. Um, I'd like to kind of dig into that as well to see, you know, what the options are besides the few that we've talked about. Um, we talked about mining, we talked about buying NFTs and we kind of touched on staking. I'd love to talk, um, touch on staking a bit more, um, when you do come back. So yeah, um, you know, we're going to make this a second date. Um, thank you so much Usman, for um, coming on the NFT talk show. I hope you enjoyed your time with me and my listeners <laughs> were fun, even though I'm the only one right here. That you can... <laughs> <laughs> but trust me, we are fun. Um, thank well, you so much for coming. Thank you for having me. And just an idea, maybe next time we could do it live and have live listeners and have them, you know, kind of do the live comment thing. I don't know if you're open to that, but. 
then your community can participate. That is true. Well, I will be in um, New York at NFT NYC. I'll see if I can work something out. That would actually be very interesting um, if we could do that. That would be quite interesting. Um, but yeah, it would obviously require all of us to be, you know, somewhere physically or virtual. Um, yeah, it could be like one of those live YouTubes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'll I'll see how we can work that out. That that's not a bad idea at all. But pending <laughs> that, <laughs> pending that, I would still love to have you back for a conversation. Definitely, yeah. definitely. I'll definitely. Um, and if they want to find you, um, this one, what's the best way to um find you? So my Twitter profile is the best way to find me. My okay. handle is Big Bank Boost. That's Bank for Memory Bank, not <laughs> a bankroll. <laughs> Okay, so don't try to go find my wallets and like hack them. <laughs> uh, and then I'm also on Instagram, same same uh, username, Big Bank Oos. Uh, okay, those I'll make easy to find me. I'll make it easy and put it in the show notes, um, so they can find you that way. Um, yep. so yeah, thank you so much, Usman. It was a pleasure speaking with you. And um, yes, um, that is going to be it for this particular episode of the NFT Talk Show podcast. I hope that you have learned something today. I know that I have, and I hope you're taking something away from this episode to, you know, wag me because my listeners, we all have to make it right. And again, like we always say, not financial advice, use the information that you get, use it usefully, make something out of it and do your own research. That's why we're here. We give you the basics so you can go on further to do your own research. Um, yes. And don't forget, you know, if you enjoyed this episode, follow us on our socials, NFT Talk Show on Instagram, NFT Talk Show on Twitter, NFT Talk Show. I think we're on Facebook, so I can't remember. <laughs> yes, we are. I'm kidding. All right. Yes. And don't forget to hop into the Champagne or Social Club Discord. Again, shameless plug, Everyday Africa is available on OpenSea. Legends live forever. Yes, I'm, you know, I'll talk about this maybe in another episode, but I am planning to mint Legends Live Forever um, for people that, you know, have been waiting for me to have the time to mint it to them. So I will just be minting um not all of it, but the next batch out to the collection so people can make offers. If you want a piece of Legends Live Forever, go ahead and hop on OpenSea in the next couple of days. Not today. Tony needs a little rest. <laughs> and you will find it available there. Again, don't forget, I will be speaking at NFT NYC in June. The exact date, I am not sure, between June 20 to 23rd. I will let you all know um, when it's going to be. And I will also be speaking at the women.nft event April 1st to April 2nd here in Los Angeles. So if you're in Los Angeles, hit me up. And I will also be speaking um April 9th, I believe, at um NFT and Coffee. I will give you more information about that as the days go by. Whew, that was a mouthful, yes. And you know, I'm open to speaking engagements. You know, I'm here to educate and here to add value. I want to see, I want to see all my listeners win and I want to see you all win. And that's why we're here. That's why I do the NFT talk show podcast. And I hope this episode has been very valuable to you. All right. That is going to be it for me today. It is me, Tony Payne, and you know what it is. I will catch you on the blockchain. Bye.